Welcome to episode 264. Have you ever wondered if your metabolism is so far up shit creek that there's no saving it and you'll be overweight and frumpy for the rest of ever, so you should just kind of accept it? If yes, then I want to deliver some good news to you about said metabolism, but fair warning, there are no secret potions here and it's a multi-tiered answer that needs some diligent planning and a long-term outlook. I'm just going to tell you the truth, basically. And well, let's just get into it then. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. Hey, what's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to hanging out with Maddie on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. And not just Maddie, but possibly another 100,000 people hanging out with us here at the same time listening, which is bonkers. You know, we hear these astronomical numbers, you know, in the social media space and the podcast world, download numbers and this and that. And we just kind of throw these numbers around. And when you stop to actually try and visualize how many people that is, it's like, it's fucking a lot of people. (laughs) It's like a stadium's worth of people listening to the podcast at the same time. Imagine that. It's just bonkers. Anyway, I want to talk to you today about a really common question that I've been asked and a phrase that I've heard over and over and over and over on social media and in the health and wellness space in general, uh, working in clinics, working one-on-one with people. And it is the idea that I have a broken metabolism or I'm damaged beyond repair. And so in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. And we do that whether you have a broken metabolism or not. So you might have been on many diets over the years where you can't seem to lose weight or you just lose a little bit and then you you gain a little bit more or you just can't move past a particular set point. So I just want to straight out of the gate bust the myth. Here's the busting. Broken metabolisms and damaged metabolisms are a thing. But are they beyond repair? No, they're not beyond repair. It's all repairable. It's all fixable. The questions you've got to ask are not surrender to the idea that things are just totally fucked beyond your ability to save them. They're never that bad, right? We can turn this ship around. There's no doubt about it. You just have to think in a more realistic way. And the two questions you might ask are, how long have I been overweight? And this second one, which might surprise you, is how many times have you tried an extreme diet to solve the problem? Why? Why are we asking that question? Because every time you've tried to do that, you've made it more difficult for us to be successful this time which is not me saying naughty, naughty. (laughs) I'm just putting a realistic perspective into your mind because we're all victim to marketing and advertising and wanting the quick fix. And, you know, the reason that you're probably listening to this episode is because you've done that so many times and finally learnt, oh, it doesn't work. (laughs) Or it only works for four weeks and then I'm back. And, or I didn't actually deal with the underlying cause, which is my emotional eating, you know, and my inability to say no to sugar. And if that's the case, well, we've got a program for you. Scroll down to the show notes, click the link and let's chat about it. But it's important to answer that question realistically with, I've probably been doing extreme diets for five years, 10 years, 20 years, because it gives us a realistic time frame to start planning the way in which we're going to help you lose weight on the other side. And remember, weight loss isn't just about food. What it requires is good food and nutrition, yes, 
but importantly, enough food and nutrition. I can't tell you the amount of women that I've heard have undereaten their way into a broken metabolism. And what I mean is the person who's significantly overweight, smashes the gym and still can't seem to shift the weight that they want to shift, even though they're quote unquote doing all the right things because they've slowly adapted to less and less and less and less and less calories. And they're at a point where they're, you know, they're eating rabbit food and not budging the scales whatsoever or not changing their clothes or feeling any different other than just feeling extra knackered because they do all of this meal prep and gym stuff. So we need good food nutrition. We need enough food nutrition. Sleep, right? The, reg- the whole reason that my, uh, my program has the deep sleep masterclass in it is because it's very difficult to make good food and nutrition decisions and, and emotional eating decisions when you're underslept. Also, being underslept dysregulates your blood sugar and all sorts of things about your gut health. And so we need to be in a place where we're not in stress and fight and flight and craving space. We need to actually work on the sleep as well. And so sleep's important. Stress. Many of the people I work with have got adrenal fatigue and their HBA axis is well and truly out of whack. And so if we're also stressed, then the high cortisol and perpetually high cortisol and uh, contributions from adrenaline as well are going to make it really difficult to lose the weight. So we need to, you know, even if we're doing everything right, because sometimes stress can be the problem. It's like, I'm doing all the things right. I'm getting enough sleep. I'm eating the right things. I'm moving my body in the right way. And if we don't deal with the stress, then we, we might be stuck in the same spot. You're a circadian rhythm. So this is really big. And I've, I've talked about this for years as well. And it's becoming a bigger conversation in the health and wellness world and the biohacking world. And that is your circadian rhythm, the exposure to natural light in your eyes and on your skin, walking out the door first thing in the morning, or at least going to the window and peeling your eyes back nice and wide, no glasses and looking into the sky and getting as much light into your system as you can. That's really important because blue and white light from the sun triggers a part of your brain called the superchirismatic nucleus to to be able to trigger all of the metabolic processes that happen in your body to say, hey, we need energy for the day. And this is the problem with your circadian rhythm being messed up by blue and white light from TV, Netflix, lighting in your home, your mobile phone late at night because at, you know, 11.05 of an evening, you're telling your brain that it's morning time and that you need that kind of energy and wakefulness, but actually you don't. (laughs) So circadian rhythms and light exposure is incredibly important and getting that light exposure right, which sounds a bit fluffy and probably a bit like, oh, that probably doesn't matter much. Think about it. The uh, The human animal grew and was created and developed and mutated in tens of thousands, if not millions of years without artificial light. And then all of a sudden, poof, in just the last couple of hundred years, which is like 0.0001% of the time, all of a sudden we've got all of this unnatural light and we have photoreceptors not only in our eyes, but in every inch of our skin. There's been studies done where the photoreceptors behind somebody's knee kept them awake. It's crazy. And I'm, I'm very much simplifying that study. But the point is that it can disrupt your sleep and disrupt your circadian rhythm by getting the light wrong. And it's very easy to do. Also, your emotional health matters, how you feel about yourself. Because again, feelings, and I've said this a bunch, feelings are their electrical impulses, their hormones, their neurotransmitters, their things that are actually happening in your body. They're not fluffy. They're not random ideas that exist outside of your body. Whenever you feel anything, it's a combination of physical compounds and molecules actually doing something inside your body, which then has a health outcome. It has a physical experience outcome, which is either helpful or harmful, right? So your emotional health is very, very important. So I guess, you know, is your weight beyond repair? No. Will it take a significant amount of time? 
in order for us to be able to make positive change? Yes. You also need to go through cycles of weight gain. Oh, I know that didn't land very well. But what I mean by weight gain is is basically maintenance. And a lot of the time in maintenance, people do creep up with their weight gain a little bit because we're fighting the adaptation mechanism in a weight loss scenario. And so as we start to lose weight, what happens when we plateau? Plateaus isn't a bad thing. It's just a sign that your body has adapted. And on different diets, you'll plateau at different points. And so what we need to throw a curveball at the metabolism. And so, and I literally call it the metabolic curveball uh, when I work with clients is that we, we need to be able to then we've gone into the weight loss phase then we need to go into the weight maintenance phase and sometimes we gain a little bit of weight there which is a bit disconcerting but we need to do that in, in order to break the the, uh, the um, metabolic adaption to the metabolic curveball so that we can take it back here and then come back again and so we can slowly edge down over time and the way to think about it is a problem mountain right it's that in order to w- walk down the other side of the problem mountain, if you imagine you're at the top of the mountain and the mountain you're standing on is the life of health problems that you've had, the question to ask is how long did it take me to get here? And if that answer is 40 years, it's not going to be 28 days down the other side. That's a suicide mission, right? We want to actually be realistic and say, hey, it's going to take me a couple of years to walk down the other side of the mountain and I'm going to fall off the bandwagon and that's okay. And and so in order to repair my metabolism or be able to nurture my body back to a state of health, because I really believe the idea that a healthy body will then shift the weight, not I need to shift the weight to be in a healthy body. And so, you know, we need to accept that this is going to be the journey. And that's why a lot of the way that we frame our goals should be around lifestyle goals. How do I want to show up as a person in the world? I do movement because it's important, not because I'm desperate to fit into the wedding dress, right? I understand that can be a motivating factor, but you see how we need a deeper layer of motivation in order to show up consistently with for a long period of time where there might be no results or the results might be very little because we're working on repairing our body. And again, that might involve actually adding more food in, which feels a bit weird and can feel a bit self-sabotaging and trigger all of these beliefs around food and weight gain and um, and self-image and that type of thing. But we need to deal with something that's developed in a complex nature over decades, years and decades. We have to approach it with the same kind of complexity. And what I mean by that is we need to look at all the parts I just mentioned, sleep, stress, circadian rhythms, emotional health, food, nutrition, movement, as well as actually acknowledging that that will take time. It's that simple. It's just going to take time. might be five years, but hey, it's better to spend five years working on yourself than it is to just continually abandon ship and worsen your health situation. And I think most people would agree with that. So is your metabolism broken? Fundamentally, no, it's not. If you're still alive, then it's still there and there's lots of work we can do. (laughs) All right, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anybody you think needs to hear this episode. And if you enjoy any of the others, well, get stuck into those. We've got plenty of them. And thanks for being here. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode.
Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.